Here's a question I'd like you to try to answer. How many countries are there on the continent of Africa? Do you know? And if you don't, what's your guess? Are you ready for the answer? There are over 50 countries in Africa. And the reason this is important to know is that all too often, the rest of the world combines every African nation into a monolithic whole despite their regional differences. This can be seen in the clumsy and often offensive way many international businesses attempt to introduce their products to an African audience. So what do people and companies need to know? I'm Madhupa Akinola. This is TED Business. Today's speaker, Namava Zanazo, is tired of companies not understanding her as a consumer. She's an expert in emerging markets and a strategy consultant in BCG's Johannesburg office. In this talk, she identifies pitfalls that many international businesses fall into when attempting to enter the African market. And while Nomava shares the do's and don'ts of doing business across the continent, I wanted to highlight a company that's taking the time to get to know the needs and wants of their customer base. So after the talk, you'll hear me in a conversation with the co-founder of a Nigerian company that's honoring the traditions of both West African producers and consumers alike. But first, a quick break. I've got to be honest, companies tend to underestimate me, and I want to change that. I think that when companies talk about bringing their products and services to my European and Asian peers, they automatically consider things like where those peers shop, what are the considerations before purchasing a product, are they brand loyal, and who are their influencers? That's great. It's smart business and good marketing. But I'm not sure that those same considerations are automatically being made when companies talk about bringing their products to me. In my job, I advise companies and individuals that are looking at investing in or expanding their African footprint. And the more conversations I've had, the more I realize that there are still so many companies organizations, and individuals that still completely misunderstand who I am, not only as an African consumer, but as a citizen of one of Africa's 55 countries, South Africa, in case you're wondering. That's a real shame, because these misconceptions will make it hard to win my share of wallet. And obviously, it's not just my wallet on the line, but that of 1.3 billion potential customers. There's a lot of money to be made in Africa. And I think if you're a company and you don't figure out how to get into Africa now in the right way, you might sadly miss the window. So let me help you by debunking some of these myths and misunderstandings around Africa and its citizens. The first myth, Africans are cheap. Maybe it's because of my continent's legacy of poverty and famine that makes people think that we just go for the cheapest product. There are still many companies that think they can just push their cheapest product lines into Africa. But that is a very dangerous assumption to make because we don't want to just buy anything that appears in our stores. 
but we are focused on buying things of good quality. In fact, according to research done at my company, where we studied consumers that come from countries that make up at least 80% of the continent's GDP, we found that we actually make decisions of quality over price, more so than most developing economies and rapidly developed markets. Price usually comes second after durability, functionality, and efficiency in non-grocery items, and it comes second after taste and nutrition in grocery items. Even in the poorest of consumers, who make up the largest socioeconomic group in many African nations, they are still willing to pay a premium for quality. On that note, let me tell you something else. New African customers like myself are connected to the rest of the world. Yes, we travel. Yes, we have the internet. So don't think that we don't notice the differences in the quality and the seasonality of the clothes you push to your South African stores versus the one that I can buy in your European branches. And by the way, don't think that my friends and I don't notice that we have to pay a premium when we shop in your local stores versus when we shop in your European stores. So this has to end. If you want to play in Africa, it's not about pushing your cheapest product lines into the continent, but it's about developing products specifically made for African consumers that fit our desire for quality and our diverse budgets. My second myth, Africans don't value brands. Just as you shouldn't push your cheapest product lines into the African market, don't think that your product will take off without any work. African consumers are highly brand conscious and are loyal to brands that have been around the longest. Because I'm sure you know what I'm going to say next. Those brands are associated with quality. But there's actually a little bit more nuance to our relationship with brands. Because you see, we inherit brand preferences from our family and friends. There was an interesting study done by one of my clients looking into the cosmetics industry in East Africa. The study found that when young girls enter high school, their mothers introduce them to a specific brand of body lotion. And even though those girls may change brands once they become older and financially independent, they too will give their daughters that same brand of body lotion when they reach high school. Brand name recognition is huge. I was actually talking to one of my research colleagues the other day, and we're actually laughing at how growing up in South Africa, Danzana to be specific, when our parents had visitors, they would send us to the nearest spaza shop to buy Coke. But before we leave, our parents would ask the visitor, which flavor Coke do you want? Do you want Fanta Orange? Do you want Stony? Or do you want Lemon Twist? And in fact, up to today, in many South African homes, soft drink is referred to as Coke, toothpaste is referred to as Colgate, margarine is referred to as Rama, and the list is endless. So what does this mean? This means that if you want to try and enter African markets, 
you need to give African consumers a reason to believe that your brand is the best and your brand is of high quality. You also need to spend the money to ensure that your brand is present in all of the places that we Africans shop. I'm talking high-end malls, but I'm also talking about op local open-air markets. Bringing me to my third myth, you see, there's still a misconception that emerging markets like the African continent, and especially the African continent, are laggards when it comes to innovation or technological advancement. Africa's leapfrog story is at least 10 years old now. So why is this myth still around? I think it's because when the leapfrog story gets told, it stops at mobile. When in fact, our leapfrog story goes far beyond our massive mobile saturation. But before I tell you that, I think it's only fair that I give credit where credit is due. Africa's leapfrog story is amazing. I hope it blows your mind that at least 60% of GDP in Kenya and Tanzania goes through mobile money. Speaking of that, I spent a few months in the US a few years back. I found a great apartment and was ready to move in when my landlord asked me to cut him a check for the first month's rental and deposit. And I was like, sorry, what? Because I honestly could not remember back then when was the last time someone back home asked me to cut them a check? But like I said, Africa's digital transformation is so much more exciting. We're seeing e-commerce fast taking off and the new Africa trade agreement will make it easier for cross-border transactions, which means African-made products bought by African consumers are crossing African borders easier and faster than before. So if your company or your brand is looking to get a piece of the action, now is probably the right time to come in. Now, my last myth, which really pains me to have to talk about in 2021. Africa is one country. I know that I've spoken in great length about some of the common consumption habits across the different African markets. But it's important to remember that Africa is not one country, and African communities, even within individual countries, are not homogeneous. We speak over 2,100 languages. Therefore, the customer positioning and target segments for different products can vary substantially. And if you want to get into Africa, you need to get into the weeds. Take tea and coffee consumption habits, for example. Moroccans prefer to purchase their tea in traditional markets. Kenyans prefer to purchase their tea and coffee in supermarkets, while Ethiopians prefer to purchase their products in local kiosks. Local culture also has a big influence on what we buy and where we buy. Take me and my group of girlfriends, for example. When you look at this 10 group of girlfriends, on paper, we're the same. Young black middle-class females that grew up in one of South Africa's major townships came to Johannesburg to pursue tertiary education and employment. Some segmentation studies refer to us as black diamonds 
members of South Africa's fast-growing, affluent and influential black community. But if you really do your homework, you will first appreciate that this group of 10 girlfriends is made up of five out of South Africa's 10 ethnic tribes. And even though our tastes are heavily entrenched into the urban culture of Johannesburg, our respective traditional culture still influences what we consume and how we consume it. And it's easy to see if you just open our respective pantries. So if you want your products to thrive in the diverse African markets, you need to do your homework. You need to take your traditional segmentation plans one or two levels deeper. Yes, it's more work, but my continent is worth it. I want to leave you with this. A share of my wallet is here for the taking, but not for long. African businesses are booming and trade across our 55 countries is getting easier and faster by the day. So it won't be long before non-African products are less desirable than the ones that we make here at home. So if you want in, great, come join us. But do it thoughtfully, do it intentionally, spend the money, and for goodness sake, don't underestimate us. Don't underestimate me. Thank you. So we just heard a lot about the mistakes companies make. But I also wanted to shine some light on one company that's doing a lot of things right. That's where Indidi Okonkwo Nuneli comes in. She's an incredibly accomplished social entrepreneur and co-founder of Ace Foods. Her company produces healthy and delicious foods made from the best of West Africa's harvest. And Indidi and I go way back. I met her over 20 years ago as her sister and I went to college together. I would see Ndidi anytime she came to visit campus. I am so excited to have her on the show today. And we started our conversation with me asking her about what her customers want. Tell me, what are some of the most popular items you sell? Well, Nigeria is known for its ginger and turmeric. This is We have the best ginger and turmeric in the world. Mm. So those mm. do really well. And of course, during COVID, everybody wanted turmeric and ginger and garlic, and we provide yes. all three. But of course, you have the jollof rice spice. Jollof rice yes. is amazing, and Nigerians love jollof. Uh, we also have pepper soup spice, suya pepper, which is a barbecue seasoning. Oh, yes. uh, Nigerian yes. suya is the best. If you haven't had suya, then yes. you haven't started enjoying real barbecue. And then we have complementary food, a soya maize blend, which is a breakfast cereal for six mm. months upwards, um, which is fortified okay. and a complete meal. And then we have beans flour, which is used for making moi moi and akara. Um, and it's very, makes it very easy to make that. Our listeners have no idea how I'm salivating right now <laughs> because you are bringing up so many foods that my parents don't cook right now, my mother especially. <laughs> and that I don't cook like moi moi, one of my favorites. And in fact, you know, th there's so many Uzamas, but the one I'm talking about is my college um, roommate, best friend, yes. all that. And her daughter just graduated from high school. So she had a graduation party and I had moi moi for the first time in a long time. 
Um, now tell me, did you already know that, for instance, um, turmeric and ginger were going to be some of the most popular items? Or what items are really popular now that you didn't know originally? And the reason I'm asking is that it speaks to Nomava's point of, gosh, you can learn so much about your customers and consumers, things that you might not have known that they truly appreciated and then serve them in the way that they need. Yeah. So what's amazing is that we didn't even plan on producing spices. So the whole category <laughs> was a surprise. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's interesting because, you know, you you take it for granted, Mudube, just like we take a lot of the food that we grew up with for granted. It's like, oh, my mom will always make that. Oh, it's in our backyard. Um, yes. It's readily available. And so the yes. concept of, you know, saying what you have in your backyard, that if well packaged and processed can meet mm -hmm. a need um, mm. and that people are willing to pay for and value because they trust you and because yes. you're meeting their needs from a price point perspective, from a packaging perspective, and even availability and affordability. Um, so we actually, you know, have evolved. And that's one of the things she talks about. And, you know, it's it's about understanding the customer. It's also about yes. tailoring your needs to the customer. And she yes. had a line in her talk where she says, you know, just because my girlfriends and I have similar profiles on yes. face value doesn't mean that that's how we shop. Yes. And that's how we consume. And understanding that market and the needs and being open to listening and evolving is key in our African yeah. context. Yeah. And that makes me love the question, what do you have in your backyard? Because everyone will have something different in their backyard. I, it reminds me of times that I spent in Benin, for instance, or when I go to see my family in Togo. Citronella is in the backyard. You can get it and whatever. So citronella tea is something that we love. Right. But now, one thing I noticed on your website for your company is you say that striving for values-based success, that you're striving for values-based success. And I'm wondering, what does that mean to you? What values do you hope your business embodies? So there are a few values. One is definitely proudly African, proudly Nigerian. Mm -hmm. um, this is critical for us. We want to ensure that not only do we appreciate ourselves, cherish what we have, in country, but we also celebrate our yeah. heritage, our culture. Food is culture. Food builds connections. Yes. Um, yes. And we want to celebrate that and internally, but also we want the world to be aware of it. So that's one. The second is really a commitment to integrity. Uh, in food, food is based on trust, right? You open yeah. a product, you want to understand that there's been traceability, there's highest quality standards. That's what you find in my kitchen and the kitchen of everyone I love. And so mm -hmm. that trust is, is really important. So integrity is key to what we do. And then a culture of innovation. You're constantly yeah. thinking through how to satisfy your customers, what they need, um, what you can source locally, what you can process for the local market, how to improve the lives of everyone across the value chain. And that's mm -hmm. key to us. And then definitely improving livelihoods of farmers, commitments to our community, uh, service and, and those values really have held us, you know, together as a, a community, as a company, and uh, at the basis for the work that we do. That's great. That's great. Now, now, when you think about Nomava's talk and other areas that you think are ripe for investment in Africa, what would 
some of those be? And I will, I'll be specific, Nigeria, because again, she says we are not one country, it's a continent. What do you think we need to see more of in Nigeria? Yeah, so the amazing thing is every aspect of the t- talk just resonated with me. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, the first met Africans at sheep, um, I just <laughs> laughed. Yes. <laughs> I won't even give, I won't mention any brands, but they uh, understand, you know, that this market is is a serious market for them. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I laughed when I saw that. But when we think about our, what is growing in our ecosystem here in Nigeria, mm-hmm. Our mm-hmm. creative sector is thriving. Movie um, mm. and music industry is thriving. Um, another yeah. growth area clearly is tech. Um, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of interest and investment in tech in Nigeria because Nigerian developers are, can serve the world and are serving the world with the innovations. And mm-hmm. I also loved how she talked about the digital revolution because we're yeah. far advanced when it comes to yes. the use of cell phones, our financial services sector are light years ahead of other parts of the world because they have had to innovate. So that's huge. And that's a, an amazing growth sector. And of course, I have to talk about food. So we mm-hmm. just launched a narrative changer food fellowship for my latest venture, Changing Narratives Africa, because we believe that the rest of the world is missing out on the great food we have on the continent. And that's another opportunity for partnerships. Africa just does not want to be considered the sink of the world. Whenever I yeah. speak about agriculture and food, I say we are not the sink of the world. Um, Mm -mm. Don't dump your substandard food and substandard products on the African continent. We will not accept it any longer. Um, We, in fact, want to set standards for global excellence Mm -hmm. and have our food be sought after by the rest of the world. And so anywhere the opportunities for partnerships, I think this is is, is key around entertainment, the creative sector, uh, financial services, tech, and definitely food and ag. Those are so great. And if anyone, I mean, Nollywood is mainstream now. Um, And even the, the, the thing that makes me know that even just entertainment and music is mainstream is when I hear my name in songs and people are saying my name in songs, (laughs) right? Like with Davido and others. You have many, many songs that just made in your honor. I know it's it's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. Well, listen, um, I am, again, so grateful that you took the time to talk. You said one of your values of your company is proudly Nigerian, and you make me proud to be Nigerian. Just listening to, watching all that you are doing to truly make a difference, not just on the continent, not just in Nigeria, but in this world. So I am grateful to know you and inspired (laughs) by you. So inspired I'm inspired by by you too, my dear. And I hope this talk inspires you too. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Cosmic Standard with help from Asia Simpson and Eliza Smith, researched by Cassie Brabaugh, and fact-checked by Nicole Booty. Our mixer is Sam Baer, and special thanks to Anna Phelan, Michelle Quint, Corey Hajim, and Colin Helms. I'm Madhu Akinola. Talk to you again next week.